Please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We've been stuck here now for three weeks, and it's a good place to be stuck because it's about faith. (laughs) And as we trust God, as we learn to be men and women of faith, it's amazing how our life develops the right perspective. How many of you have realized by now that the perspective that we have in this world really isn't worth that much? A much better perspective is that perspective we'll have 10,000 years from now in heaven with God when we look at this little brief period we were here on planet Earth and it won't mean a whole lot. Now, that has a way of making your problems disappear, right? If you're worried about something, put it to the 10,000-year test. How will this problem look 10,000 years from now? Well, not very important, not very significant. But our problem and our challenge as we walk through this life, this journey of faith, is the things that are temporary tend to look more important than they really are. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Wow, if God says it's impossible to please him without faith, it must be impossible to please him without faith. How important is faith? Well, God tells us how important it is. If we want to please him, we need to have it. And we need to believe two things based on this scripture. First, that God is God. That he really is God. That he really exists. That we can know him personally. We believe in him. We trust in him. And second, that he rewards those who diligently, not casually... But diligently seek him as we turn to him in faith, as we seek his face, as we call upon him in prayer. The promise is that we will be rewarded. Now, we also looked at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Verse 2 says, by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. Now, what is that? That's the belief that that which we see is here as the result of God's purpose and God's action. When did you realize that God isn't part of your world, that you're part of his world? Very different perspective. You know, the unregenerated mind thinks of God as an idea in the mind of man. Those of us who are saved, who have been regenerated, know that we are in God's world. He's not in ours. And once we have that perspective, we realize that he truly, truly exists. And that we need to make adjustments in our thinking, in our life to his character, and to his nature. How many of you found out by now that if change is the issue, you need to make the change because God is already God? 
God doesn't need to change. We do. We are incompatible with God in our nature. And so through his help, through his grace, through his transforming power, we can adjust to him. We see that it was by faith that the ancients, the ancients were commended. Verse 1. And that is their integrity was established by their faith. What is integrity? It's their wholeness. It's their quality of life. Their quality of character. And so it is today. Our integrity ultimately is established by our faith. How many of you can honestly say when it comes to the world, you're not for sale? But the world thinks you are, treats you like you are. And what a surprise it is for the world to come knocking at your door and find out you're not for sale because you belong to God. You're living with a whole different set of values. You are not vulnerable to the types of pressure and temptations that this world places upon you as if you were so concerned about this temporal world and you know, what you have and what you can do and your popularity. No, I'm not for sale. I belong to God. And that is the basis of your integrity. We see these two things working together. The integrity that comes through living your life by faith. And then second, we refer to the intelligence, the perspective that comes as we know we discern that this universe was framed by the word of God. We have a God-given, let's use the word, a God-given intelligence that is so far above the world, the world cannot understand where we get this wisdom, where we get this insight. Isn't it a wonderful thing to have that perspective that comes from God? James says it's that wisdom which comes from above, not the wisdom of this world. Big contrast. So we know from above what this world's all about. We know from above the best way to live our lives. We know from above the ultimate outcome of all things. So we have this confidence, this assurance, which makes such a difference in our lives. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. I'm just going to quote it about faith, and it really summarizes everything we've been saying. It simply says, Now the just shall live by faith. How will we live our lives? By faith, not by sight, not by our wits or our talent or our popularity or our possession, but by faith. But if anyone draws back, God says, My soul shall have no pleasure in him. It does not please God to start the journey of faith and then draw back in unbelief. How many of you have pulled back a few times and learned the valuable lesson? We can trust, hear this, we can trust God and go through. We can trust God and finish our course. We can trust God and break through if we persevere. But if we draw back, we will fall short. 
we will fail. We will miss receiving the promise. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, says that we should remember, this is the instruction, the early days that we received light. This is a faith, important faith perspective. How many of you can look back and count a few blessings from God? See where God intervened and helped you. Sometimes it takes years. You go through a confusing situation, and it takes years before you begin to really understand what that was about and how God was using that in your life. But as you remember, it strengthens your faith. You, you realize you receive the light that you needed and that you're going to receive the light that you need for the future. Now, verse 35. Very, very important. Underline this. This really is our text for this morning. So do not throw away your confidence. And here, confidence is another word for faith. Don't throw it away. You mean you're powerful enough to throw away your faith? Yeah. We see people do it all the time. We make choices of unbelief where we discard the promises of God and we try to to take care of ourselves or accept some temporary provision when God's promise is still there. If we will persevere, do not throw away your confidence. Notice this, it will be richly rewarded. Your confidence, your faith. Are you trusting God for some promise? How many of you have a few promises from God that you hold in your heart? You're just believing God. How many of you have loved ones, maybe family members, friends, that you're praying for that they'll be saved? Maybe there's some personal situation that only you know about and God's given you a special promise and you hold on to that. We trust God for so many things. We must not throw away our confidence that God really is able to do what he's promised to do. Now, notice how it continues. Verse 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what what he has promised. Wow. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. What a very specific exhortation regarding holding on, persevering, continuing to trust God. Now, I want you to see four things about this passage which are so very important to our faith. The first I want you to see is in this problem of casting away our faith, our confidence. This is the problem. And, uh, you know, you look at how this works, and there's a principle here. I like to call it sometimes, it's a principle of self-impeachment. What do I mean by self-impeachment? Guess what? Satan can't steal your faith away. No one else 
can steal your faith away. God is doing everything to support you and strengthen you and establish you and see you through. But you can quit. You can self-impeach. And how frightening that is that you can make choices to draw back from God. I don't want that much responsibility. How about you? I wish God would provide the way and force me through. But he says, no, every day, I want you to make choices. I don't want you to quit. I want you to believe. I want you to obey. I want you to confess my promises. I want you to be faithful. And even when you feel like you're having to wait too long, it's not too long. Because I'm going to show up. How many of you have had the experience of saying, I can't take this any longer. And it goes longer. And longer. And longer. And God shows up when you really needed the help. And you realize how immature and self-centered you were in judging your life the way you did. And the promise is when we give up in our own strength, we have a way of giving in to our temptations, to try to fix things rather than to wait for God's hand that ultimately only God's hand can fix the situations in our lives. But anyway, the problem of drawing back, the problem of self-impeachment. Do you know what the cure to this is? Let me just be very frank. It's repenting for doubt. We have to call it what it is. It's doubt. And it's a sin. And we have to repent. We have to repent for our doubt. Ask God to forgive us and to renew our faith. God's gracious. He has such a wonderful way of restoring our faith when we give Him the chance. But He wants us to realize that it's by faith that the just shall... Second... I want us to look at the product of our faith, which really keeps things in perspective and encourages us and keeps us moving forward because the product of our faith here is described as a great reward. Wow, how great is it? Greater than you know. Greater than you have imagined or understood. The promise of God, which will be your reward, which will be the product of your faith. What God has promised is always better then you are even able to understand. Hallelujah. How many of you like this deal? Sam talked about we trade our sorrows and we get joy. We don't just get neutral. (laughs) We don't just get over our sorrows, but God replaces the sorrow with joy. We give him our poverty, our helplessness, our hopelessness. He gives us abundant life. He gives us wholeness. He gives us joy overflowing. But it's by faith that we must receive this. Now you see the responsibility of faith? We want God to go ahead and give us our reward anyway, right? Isn't that the way children act sometimes? They just want their reward anyway. But there are some things which are conditional. And the condition is faith. Do we want to receive our reward? (laughs) Then we've got to have faith. Third, 
The process, we go, the problem, which is, which is drawing back. The product, which is our reward. The process by which we are able to push through and receive our reward here is perseverance. It's the nature of faith to be tested. And only through perseverance can we ultimately enter into the kingdom of God. You may be thinking, but I'm waiting too long. This isn't fair. How is it that God expects me to wait so long for his promise to be? Guess what? Before God assured you of his promise, he knew how long it would take and how much you could handle in that process Don't tell God he's taking too long. He's the one who sets the deadlines. He's the one who knows how long is long enough. And praise God how faithful he is to carry us through. But we have need of perseverance in order to remain. And haven't you found out that the promises of God, how long do they take? Always longer than we want them to. Always longer than we're equipped to handle. And it's just the nature of how he enables us to grow. And what complicates it is we're living in this world which is all about instant gratification. We turn to God out of this world that promises all this instant gratification. And guess what? It's all disappointing. It's all an empty promise. Yet the world convinces us that we should have things instantly. And then we look at our relationship with God and we realize it's a journey of faith that requires perseverance. You know, it's so important for us to gather as believers and hear the testimonies of those who have persevered. You know what I'm talking about? This is one of the values of having elders in the body who have stories about persevering that encourage our faith when we want our reward right now. We need that kind of leadership in the body of Christ. And even as the church is always searching for younger leadership, the church is looking for quick solutions. We need the wisdom of those who know the way and have the testimony of faith regarding perseverance. So what's the process from our perspective? It's holding on. It's waiting upon God. It's believing His promise. It's not giving up. And then finally, we have the promise. The problem, the product, the process, and now the promise. Now what is the promise? We've already seen the reward And certainly we can see that as a promise. But ultimately there is a greater promise than what we are seeking in terms of the reward or the benefit, the answer, the satisfaction. Notice here, verse 37, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Now does that look out of context as we are seeking God waiting? Guess what? Guess what? Ultimately, all of his promises are fulfilled in his coming rather than in the particular blessing or answer to prayer or provision. 
Who is our answer? Jesus. And He's coming. He's coming for all of us. He's coming for each of us individually when it's time for us to go home. But guess what? When He comes, every need, every problem, every unanswered question, every every difficulty in your life, everything is satisfied in Him. And so we realize, He's my promise. He is everything that I need. I'm looking to Him. How do you know that it's possible for us to get focused on the answers to prayer and forget who's answering the prayer? We focus on the gift and we miss the giver. We quote the promise that has to do with our physical, material, our temple, and realize that ultimately it's our relationship with the one who provides that's important. So what we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. That gets me excited. How about you? Hey, I can look beyond the problems of this life knowing that he's coming and my heart will be secure. I can look beyond this economy. I can look beyond my retirement account. How about you? I can look beyond the next election. How about you? And say, he made a promise. He made a promise to answer my prayers and ultimately come and solve every problem, not just my problem, all the problems of the universe. And so that is the source of my hope. Now, I want you to think just a little more about this, the confidence that we have in God. Why is it that we should be so confident? And then we're going to close. Seven, seven reasons to be confident in God. And first is, we can be confident, number one, in His character. Hallelujah! He's God, and He hasn't made a mistake yet in running this universe. And so we can have confidence in Him. How many of you have more confidence in God than you have in yourself? That's the way it works. In a world that teaches self-esteem, we realize that our sense of self-value grows as we put our confidence not in ourselves, but in God. And we get the right kind of confidence in the character of God. Second, confidence in the promise of God. Every promise that he has made will be fulfilled. Do you have promises that you're trusting in? How many of you could quote a verse right now, some promise from Scripture that you're believing God for? Well, that leads us to the third confidence, the confidence in the Word of God. We have greater confidence in God's Word than we have in the words of men. We believe what God said. Fourthly, we have confidence in the Son of God. In God's promise to redeem and to restore and to deliver through the Son of God. Who will ultimately come and make things all right. Number five, we have confidence in the Spirit of God. That He has poured out upon all flesh to bear witness of Christ. 
to see us through this life in this world, to show us how to pray as we don't know to pray, to give us the power we need to live our Christian life. How many of you have confidence in God's spirit to be the strength for your Christian life? Number six, we have confidence in the providence of God in that he works through history and circumstances to accomplish his ultimate purpose. We realize God knows what he's doing with each of our lives, doesn't he? Aren't you glad he doesn't have to start over each day? If we'll pray, he starts over. No, he's carrying us through as his children. He is the shepherd of our lives. As you look back at your life, you think, how could I have possibly gotten to this place in my life if it hadn't been for God? Or were you, or were you one of those people that figured it all out, planned it, and lived it just the way you planned it? I haven't met anybody yet who can take that much credit for managing their lives. Because guess what? That is, that's an illusion. We don't have the power over our lives to live them the way we want to. It's the providence of God that carries us through. And finally, here I quote from the Apostle Paul, as he considered his weakness and his struggle and his suffering, and he realized that he had confidence in what he said, all in all, the sufficiency of God. Hallelujah. God is sufficient. Are you sufficient? I hope you've gotten over that childish notion. God, and God alone, is sufficient. And so we put our confidence in his sufficiency. Let's read this verse one more time. Verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Father, we thank you. We ask you, Lord, to sow this word in our hearts and help us to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me ask you one more time. Where's our confidence? In God, in God, in God. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will never disappoint us. He will never let us down. Amen. Our Father, today as we have heard this wonderful message, we have taken in something that is going to take a while to digest it all because it applies to so many areas of our lives. But we're grateful that you are speaking to us through your word and by your spirit confirming the word that we've heard. And as we leave this place this morning, we do not leave your presence, but we know that your presence will go with us. We ask you, Lord, to simply keep your hand upon us and guide us. Blessed Holy Spirit, Speak in our hearts and help us to know that way which is your way, Lord, that we may please you in all that we do. For you said, Lord, that you want to guide our steps. And so with confidence, Father, we leave this place this morning, not from you, but from this building. And we ask you to stay with us all, protect us all, and help us, Lord, to be uh, strong in faith, in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen and amen. The Lord bless you. Greet one another. And you're dismissed.